This is Two Guys in a Bible. This is a conversation on theology, culture, and God's Word. My name is Dylan Keniston, and I am joined per huge with my brother-in-arms, Eric Leupold. How are you doing this morning, Eric? I'm doing great, Dylan. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, I say morning, but it's like we usually record in the mornings, but now we're recording in the afternoon. So I, I'm sorry. I'm getting my time stuff wrong all the time. That's okay. I'm, it's a sign of my aging. My I, I'm aging, man. I'm like, oh. If you identify it as morning, it's morning. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, today, so we've been talking uh, the last couple of episodes. Interestingly, we didn't necessarily like plan it this way, but we've had the topics mostly covering like uh, economic subjects. So two episodes ago, we covered socialism. Last episode, we covered capitalism. And today, uh, we actually have a guest on the show. We are joined by none other than Sir Franco Urbaez. Um, Franco is a buddy of mine from college, reached out to him. I mean, the dude just has his hands in a lot of different things, which is super cool. Uh, and he's a very, very strong brother in the Lord. And so we are delighted and honored to have him uh, as a guest on the show today. We just want to learn from him, just glean from him about Christian entrepreneurship. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And, you know, Franco has been, you know, since I've known this guy, so well over a decade, we were talking before. And I was like, man, like this guy has always been, uh, he's always had that entrepreneurial itch in him, right? And so when we think about what does it mean to be a Christian entrepreneur, for some of us, questions arise. Like, how should we think about, uh, you know, profit motive? How should we think about running a business well in such, you know, even even what service or product that we're offering, you know, is it something that's glorifying to God in, in the broader culture, the broader community? These are all the kinds of questions that, you know, Franco has has wrestled with. And so, you know, we wanted to bring him on, just, you know, help us to glean some of the wisdom that he's gained over these past couple of years as he's thought these things through from a Christian perspective. So with that, Franco, welcome to the podcast, brother. Dylan, thank you, man. I really appreciate being here, bro. I'm blessed and humbled and, and honored uh, to be here with you guys. And Eric, it's great meeting you, man. So yeah. Awesome We're glad guy. to have you, man. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking the time. I know you're a busy man. So thank you for taking the time to to dive in with us and, and wrestle through this a little bit. So I guess as we start, would you just maybe tell us a little bit about yourself, share with the audience, kind of how did you become a Christian? How did you come to know the Lord? And how did uh, some of these questions kind of start to form in your mind as you, you know, I, I think you have been kind of operating in business for, you know, a, a very, very long time, maybe even longer than you've been a Christian. So maybe talk us a little bit through that transformation as well. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, man. So um, <laughs> like how much time do we have, right? So, <laughs> I was telling Eric. Uh, before, in 25 words or less. Yeah. <laughs> off the recording, I was telling Eric, like uh, it was a three-year journey and actually made the becoming a Christian, and you were very influential in that, as you know, obviously. Uh, but yeah, I've been an entrepreneur, I'd say, like helping out at least with the family business since I was like 16 years old. So well before I was a Christian, right? I was helping out in business with my dad and everything like that. And he has a trucking company. So that was like the very first like <clears throat> push into the entrepreneurial journey. But I didn't become a Christian until college, right? And so it was through that where, you know, Mike Sequoia, one of a good buddy of ours, like actually first shared the gospel with me. And it took three years after that and me struggling and toiling and wrestling with um, all the junk that was going on in my brain, whether or not God existed, whether Jesus was a whole big lie, you know, like created by the government to like keep, you know, the people down in religion, all these different things that I like soaked up and stuff like that. But then eventually I had a very dramatic dynamic conversion, I would say, like a salt, a Paul type of like conversion, right, where um, I 
finally decided to like actually like challenge God. Now we're skipping about three years to, to yeah. directly to the point <laughs> of like, you know what I mean? Like I finally was there. I couldn't get rid of my sin and like all that stuff. And then I was, I remember I was in the, the bathtub, right? I was like afraid to go to sleep. I was having demonic nightmares, all sorts of crazy, oh my goodness. really, really crazy things, right? I won't, <laughs> I won't dive too deep into that because again, very, very long story. But um, I end up like uh, in the bath, in the bathtub, just like with the hot water pouring on me and stuff. And then like, I challenged God, I would never do this today. And I don't recommend or condone this for anybody <laughs> else. But I like literally said that, God, if you want me to put my faith in you, three things need to happen, right? The first is you need to get rid of these demonic nightmares. It says you can do everything. Like I just couldn't go to sleep for like any single day. I like just, I was afraid to go to sleep. So you got to get rid of these demonic nightmares. Okay. And the second thing is, is that Dylan and Mike are telling me that I can't stop sinning. Like I, I literally am a slave to sin. So if you say that you can do everything and you are God and all that stuff, like make it easy on me to stop sinning, like allow me to stop sinning in a way that I was uh, like addicted to. Uh, and the third was like, if it's true that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, I should probably feel something for him, right? Mm -hmm. I should probably feel some sort of emotion for him, at least an ounce of gratitude. And I don't, I don't feel anything. Right. So if it's true, then allow me to really feel that way. And if you can't do all three of these things for me, then if you exist, I'll end up going to hell. Like that's what that's what's happening. And then, you know, so be it. And if you do do these three things for me, I was desperate. I was like, I will literally serve you with the rest of my life and I will give you everything and I'll give you everything in me and I'll serve you for the rest of my life. And I got out <clears throat> of the, the shower and then I, I just walked up and I went downstairs to watch like uh passion of the christ for like the fourth time that did nothing for me and uh and when i was there and i was doing that it was probably like it was a friday in august of 2010 and i was doing that and i was literally just like there and when jesus is like carrying the cross i don't know if you guys have seen the movie but when jesus is carrying the cross and he falls down and his mother mary like races after him and stuff like that right and he turns to her and says see mother and make all things new i cried and broke down for the first time since probably like eight years like before yeah. i've never cried right and i'm like and i literally said it out loud i'm like pouring and bawling with tears and i literally said it out loud. i was like what do i do i'm i'm crying right now i'm alone this is real this is real right and i think it was in that moment that like i felt like the father just there was this this wave of guilt and condemnation and shame that like came over me and it lasted for about like three minutes and then after that, there was all this love and joy and forgiveness. And I was like, literally, like, if I could ever point to a time in my life where I felt the intimacy of a father, it was right there in that moment. And hmm. that's the moment that I became a Christian and then life changed for me. So, so yeah. And then I don't know if there's a follow-up question to that, but that's pretty much like how I became a Christian. Wow. Amen, brother. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that testimony. You know, what's interesting is like how many different things the Lord uses to like bring people to himself. And isn't that, it's almost never just like one thing, right? There's all these, these influences, these seeds that are kind of, you know, scattered early on and the Lord waters them over time. But it, there's a whole bunch of different influences that over time kind of come to this, this confluence that, that, you know, in your case, praise the Lord led to faith. Yeah. Um, and, you know, especially like Passion of the Christ too. I know that movie's gotten some flack, but that movie has, has like a lot of people have come to Christ through through watching that. So, um, you know, praise mm -hmm. the Lord for for the positive impact it's had, including on on your walk. So, thank you for sharing that, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, thanks. Now, now you mentioned that 
um, you know, you had been involved in the family business in some capacity or other, kind of since you were 16. I mean, that's like early on. Is is that when you would say you first kind of realized you had kind of the entrepreneurial itch, or I mean, were you involved in any kind of um, you know business endeavors previous to that, or you know maybe you didn't have the itch when you were sixteen? Maybe that kind of came later after after things developed or progressed. Like, how did you come to that self awareness? Yeah, no, great question. Um, my father, I would say, I would say like um, my father, it was like it tossed me into the wolves. Okay, my father. <laughs> Point, we were making a lot of money okay and uh what he ended up doing with that money is that he uh started building out like four farms in war-torn venezuela right now right really? and so yeah so he built out these four farms and there's a whole story behind that they had like ak-47s over there he had to like retake back with his with his family like his eight brothers and sisters and like all these different things he had to retake back his his farm that was claimed they would literally go over the fences and cut off the heads of the cows and then cut off the legs and stuff like that and just run away with the torso. Wait, who was doing this? Who was doing yeah. it? I don't know. They're called bandidos. They're called like uh, like like bandits or something. It's just like people are just crazy over there. Okay. Yeah. And like this is corrupt, all that stuff. So anyway, he goes over there and he's like investing all this money. And so like he leaves for like months at a time and he leaves a 16 year old in charge of a company that's running about a $900,000 a year. Right. Um, like approaching on a million dollar a year and I'm 16 years old and I have drivers and I have employees that are like 40, 50, 60 years old that are like under a 16 year old's like, you know, wow. yes, I don't know, like CEO, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so um, suffice, it, suffice it to say, he like literally tossed me to the wolves and stuff like that. And I had to figure it out. Like I almost failed out of college because um, I, I had like yoga I had yoga class and like mm -hmm. I had to step out anytime like my phone went off I had to step out of yoga class and stuff like that and she like straight up wanted me to fail me um so it was crazy but anyway all of that is, is to say it's like that's I literally got tossed into that but I never had the entrepreneurial itch until I started reading right and it was this moment mm -hmm. that I remember that I could say like my dad came home and he, he didn't read, he didn't know, like he was an immigrant and he didn't know the language. He had to go through a whole bunch of different things to learn the English mm -hmm. language and then to be able to uh, create this business, started out from a red van to like a multi-fleet trucking company. Um, so then, uh, but he was in New York and then he came home with the book and he tossed it on my bed and he said, uh, read this book. And he had never read it, but he just said, read it. And I said, okay, cool. And I read it and it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Have you guys? Hmm. I've heard of it, yes. Yes, yeah. Dylan, yeah, so, have you read Rich Dad Poor Dad? I have. Well, I, I, people say we've read, I've audio booked it. I've listened to okay, it. Okay, okay. But, <laughs> but I guess, I guess that counts. It's still counts. Yeah. No, it's good. So, so, yeah, so Rich Dad Poor Dad, he put that on my book, and that really inspired me. And that got me to think about like all the different possibilities of like, um, you know, what could happen when you jump into entrepreneurship, right? Like, there's literally no ceiling um, to your success, right? Whereas a lot of mm -hmm. people say, like, you know, a lot of people like say to, you know, live within your means and cut and cut and cut and like decrease your expenses and all these different things. But really, you can only do that so far. Right. Mm -hmm. Why not just focus on making more so that you can like, you know, do other things and, and all that stuff. So anyway, it just spurred me out into like, oh, all the possibilities and stuff. Um, and then I got tossed into the um, Golden Eagle at that level. And that's sort of like what that's the trucking business you were talking yeah, about. That's, right? a trucking, that's a trucking company. It's your dad's trucking business, you said. My dad's said. trucking company, exactly. Which essentially uh, prompted me into like the spirit of entrepreneurship. And since then, it's just never died down. Mm -hmm. yeah. Awesome. So I mean, that's that's one of it. What, what are some other businesses that you're involved with yeah. today? Kind of how, how long have you been involved with each? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, 
uh, Abundant Life Ventures, okay, Abundant Life Ventures is, uh, or Abundant Life Apartments is a real estate investment firm. Um, Rich Dad Poor Dad um, is is all about like real estate investments and different things like that. But um, it wasn't until after Golden Eagle was pretty much like collapsing um, that I ended up having to get a job. And then, um, then I finally had the means to be able to pursue that passion that I had when I was a kid about owning apartment buildings and different things like that. So I, I gathered about 10 different shareholders, raised about like a, over $100,000. <clears> and then uh, <clears throat> we made our first purchase into um, our apartment buildings. And so since then, that's been growing as well. Um, and then through like working, and I did that part time as I was working at a full time job um, as a warehouse manager at Uline. Um, and, uh, it was then at that point that I, I felt like I was in a prison. So what I do now is I help aspiring entrepreneurs, right? Like break out of the prisons that they call a job. Right. And then I help them create a digital marketing agency, which was my ticket out of my own prison. Right. And a digital marketing agency, dream big media. And that's the, the one agency, the one company that I have now, uh, where we help uh, business owners uh, market and get more customers, market their businesses, get more customers, get more clients, um, and then we get paid a fraction of what they're making, right, um, off of our services. Um, and then now the coaching business is helping other people do just that, what I did. Um, so four different businesses, Golden Eagle still, truck, or real estate investment firm, Abundant Life Apartments, uh, digital marketing agency, Dream Big Media, and then our coaching business, which is primarily the inner circle. Yeah. Wow. So the Golden Eagle didn't collapse. That trucking company never finally. It never finally collapsed. We got out of the. We got out of it. Right. There's a happy ending there. Yeah. There's a happy ending there because we had um, one client um, of ours that was making that, we, that was like generating about twenty thousand dollars a week for us, and so that twenty thousand dollars a week overnight practically went to like five thousand dollars a week, and uh. you know, and then pretty much everything fell under that we lost our home you know like we had to short sale our home that i grew up in since i was 11 years old um i had to make i had to literally kick my mom out of that house you know what i mean i had to like i had to make those decisions because my dad would not right like he would not make those decisions because hmm. then i actually had to step up and say like look i i know the math i see the math we're hemorrhaging money like unless i was working 80 hours a week making 200 dollars a week you know what i mean like it was crazy there was times in golden eagle where we owed like $84,000 to our diesel supplier. So to even keep our trucks going and our drivers, we owe them three or four weeks worth of like money. We actually had to take out a loan shark for $13,000. That was 10% monthly interest, which means we had to pay $1,300 every single month just on the interest, not even touching the principal and all of that stuff. And so there was a time I, I, I just get carried away and stuff like that, but there's a time where my dad and I, we literally had all of our credit cards maxed out, all our credit line maxed out, every all of our network to even leverage or even ask for help maxed out, literally everything. And we had our warehouse and my dad was sleeping in the warehouse. Um, I was sleeping in the warehouse. I couldn't put money in my tank, my, my car to get home, which was a 45 minute drive um, to sleep at home. And, uh, and there was one time we had to, right before Christmas time, we had to go into uh, deliver these like high definition TVs and we had a warehouse like full of them. We had to go into the Poconos and deliver this stuff. And my dad is like, my dad is like, you know, freaking out. You should see like, there's a degree of his, like how pleasant he is depending, <laughs> on, how, depending on how much money is in the bank account. Okay. And so he's the relationship out. there. Yeah. yeah. He's freaking out in the driver's seat. So I'm like, don't worry, God, or don't worry, dad, God will provide, God will provide, God will provide the whole day. Right. And I'm just like, and I'm praying the whole day and all these different things. And we're doing this. We can't have breakfast. We don't have lunch, nothing. Like we just, we don't have money. Right. 
And so we go all these different things. And then at the very end, we went to trailer parks to deliver white glove delivery service on these TVs, install it in their homes. And then we went into this guy's mansion as well. And so the last one, we did like 13 deliveries that day. The last delivery that we did, we finished the uh, white glove install. And then before we left, we're walking out the door, the guy hands us $20 as a tip. And I'm like, you see that? God will provide. Like, all driving on the way home, like, God will provide, God will provide. And we are laughing and celebrating for a $20 tip that we had because we had Chinese food that night. And that's what happened. And then I had to make a whole bunch of different and difficult decisions. And then I ended up getting that job. Um, and it allowed me, like, the ability to, you know, recoup investments and like, you know, build up some, some cash savings and stuff like that. But before I did that, I made that transition. I made a whole lot of changes in golden Eagle and I left it running on autopilot and I gave myself a pay cut because we couldn't afford it and all that stuff. And then, uh, yeah. And then, and then I, we, we ended up <laughs> working there for like three years and stuff. And so we paid back all of our debt and we don't wow. owe a single penny to anybody. And That's not cool. only that, but we have, <laughs> profit for the first time ever and we have <laughs> savings for the first time ever and yeah so and then the you. and then the farms in venezuela how'd that work out oh man yeah they're, they're gone oh <laughs> that's, a, that's a lost investment <laughs> oh man that's a lost investment yeah, yeah i mean well, here's like here's what i appreciate though about about the story that you just shared and i appreciate like your your honesty and your transparency and your candor in sharing these stories because it really shows the ups and downs that come with entrepreneurship like it, it has sure. this kind of you know this um positive image in the minds of so many that we're going to, you know, strike off on our own and we're going to go make our, you know, make our millions or whatever. But then in reality, I mean, it, it can be, you can fall on hard times. It is real out there. So, so I really appreciate you, you sharing that, um, you know, and, and riding the ups and downs and in particular, like, you know, it's interesting that you, you know, one theme that kind of kept coming back in your story, as I heard you telling it was like, we got to have faith, you know, even in the times when we are down and out or where we're struggling financially, you know, the Lord will provide, the Lord will provide. So there's this trust. So like, and what's interesting is, and I, I mean, this is something that, you know, I could just, cause I know you personally, like, even if, even if some of the businesses had uh, not survived or, or thrived in, in the ways that they are today, there's still like, even in the low times, there was this trust that the Lord provide, even if the business ended up not being successful, uh, yeah. which we're thankful it is, even if the businesses ended up tanking and, you know, for one reason or another, you did end up having to, you know, go and, and, and get kind of a nine to five and get back on the, the, the hamster wheel kind of thing. At the end of the day, you knew the Lord was going to provide. So that was something mm-hmm. that um, mm-hmm. I, I really appreciated in your story. Yeah. What about like, as so, so here you are as, like, as an entrepreneur, you share these four different businesses you got going on. You're a busy dude. Um, now, and now as a Christian, right, one of the things that's come to my mind is what difference does it make, right? So if I got somebody <laughs> delivering me, somebody delivering me goods and he's a Christian, somebody delivering me goods and he's not a Christian, in both cases, I get my TVs. So, so I guess that's what I'm wondering, like, what difference does Christ make to your business and not just to you know, maybe the products or services you're offering, but also how you run your business, how you operate your business, or, you know, how you structure different things. I mean, take that wherever, wherever you want. But. Yeah, of course, of course. I, I actually thought about it. And um, I was actually uh, thinking about like, what differences Christ make in my businesses, right? And as I, as I thought through that question, I started to look back into the past, because it's easy to say something, mm-hmm. right? And just say, like, you know, this is what it is, and stuff like that. But like, how are you actually implementing that? Right? Like, how are you doing that? So Abundant Life Ventures, for instance, a real estate investment firm, it was born based off of um, something like instead of living 
it was a play on words, right? Because like living in luxury and abundant life and stuff like that to the world versus abundant life as we know it as Christians, right? Which is just intimate relationship with Christ um, and like having that, you know, life of abundance there. Um, we decided that we were going to treat our tenants the way that Christ would or Christ might as we strive to, to model him in our example. Um, and so one example that I can uh, bring up is Actually, I can bring up two for this particular case. We actually, um, I'm going to go with the one initial one. I mean, I'll, I'll probably tell them both. But anyway, um, the one is there was a single mother, right? A single mother, she had three kids and she couldn't afford a nanny. I remember going up there to um, replace her doorknob. Actually, Dylan, you went with me when we had uh, the doorknob that um, we replaced, Don Coots, um, uh, where she just didn't want us to enter her like uh, room. It was that same. It wasn't her, but it was someone previous to that. Um, and uh, so... She had a single, it was a single mother, three kids, and I went and replaced like a door uh, knob, right? Because it just wouldn't lock. And as I was doing that, I saw this kid, he must have been 20 years old, taking care of the three kids. And the, the apartment was pretty much empty. There was a couch and three kids there, all on their tablets or all on some sort of, you know, thing. And the guy was blasting this music. And it was literally a song I've never heard of before, but it was like, how many times can I count? The guy was literally counting how many times he could drop the F-bomb, right, in the song, okay? And these are children. These are children that are, like, under, like, eight years old, right? And, like, 10, eight years old. And the guy who is in charge of taking care of these kids because she couldn't afford a nanny was, like, blasting that music and stuff, right? And, um, yeah, and it was a bad situation. We ended up having to evict her, but – and for – those that are listening, I put air quotes <laughs> Happy to evict her because this isn't any normal eviction process. But uh, we gave her um, a month, um, whereas like our policy is that, you know, six days out, we begin the eviction proceedings, gave her a month. Okay, she paid a little bit of it, gave her another month, she paid a little bit of it. I was taken out of my pocket her payment so that the shareholders because we have to respect the shareholders too right. So the shareholders are like, I have to honor them. And like, this is me leading like with their money and stuff like that. So I can't just be like, you know, whatever the case is. So I have to make a decision. Do I, you know, and Dylan, I remember calling you about this, bro. I remember calling you about this. Dylan, for everybody listening, is just, uh, that's my go-to guy that I, that I go to. And every time I have like an ethical dilemma and stuff like that, Dylan. Yeah, he's, a, he's a good moral compass. Stop. Yeah, good moral compass. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, so I had to decide, right? Like, do I honor the shareholders and stuff like that and like carry out with what I said and honor what I was going to say that how I was going to run the business? Or do I, you know, let this woman keep not paying and just keep living there for free and all those different things. So we had ended up decided that we actually had to honor them both. And I, you know, ended up taking money out of my pocket to, to help her pay for that stuff. But eventually we had to evict her and it couldn't mm -hmm. last like that forever. Um, so the way that we went about doing it is um, not only did we um, help her move out of the apartment, but we paid for her security deposit and first month's rent of her new apartment. And then also gave her like $300, $400 worth of groceries for her kids as, you know, to, to you know, sort of like go off and, you know, give us back our place <laughs> yeah. but uh, as a as a gift and stuff so that's an example of like where we would strive to like honor christ in in our businesses another one golden eagle just like you said about the deliveries it's um who cares you know what i mean like who cares like who delivers it just as long as it's delivered and stuff i think it's more about being christ in the workplace right so the opportunity mm -hmm. when my dad um came the um, last week and I haven't he lives in florida so he actually because we have a warehouse down in florida and some operations down there as well but he uh drove up stayed with us for a week and in our household um you know 
as we were like, you know, working on Golden Eagle and stuff like that, right? Um, we had the opportunity to have a late night and just being Christ to him um, and being there at the table. And I actually had the opportunity to have my wife. And I was like, you know, dad, I, I always talk to you about Jesus and stuff like that. And he wouldn't necessarily, he says that he believes, but I wouldn't necessarily call him a Christian. Hmm. But I say like, dad, you know, like I was talking to you about Jesus and all these different things, right? Um, I think Haley has something to say to you. <laughs> and she was like, what? <laughs> and Haley's thought, your wife, by the way. Haley is my wife. Haley is my wife, right? And then I was like, and then so she ends up and it was like, you know, shepherding my wife as well and allowing her to share the gospel to my dad. And then there was this heated argument. It was just it was crazy. Heated it was, it was argument. Awesome. It became like it became like a, nice. a heated thing. Right. But um, so there's an example like and then I, I also got to go to, to New Jersey and I was with my I was with my uh, drivers, my dad and the one driver took the took the truck to go and test drive it, a brand new truck we're looking to buy. Um, while the other driver was sitting there with me and stuff like that. And he had recently experienced a heart attack probably a year ago um, where he was literally dead for like 15 minutes. And um, they were like, you know, coming in here to sign off on the papers and stuff like that, right? And they saw his finger move. And then uh, as soon as he saw his finger move, they put the defibrillator on him and like revived him, right? Mm. And he's like, I'm like, man, you have a brand new life here. And like, you know, like what's going on? Like, have you put your faith in Christ yeah. and all these things? And, and, uh, and he's like, you know, like, and he literally, I said, like, what's the guy? He literally told me what the gospel was and that how his mom is so big on the gospel and stuff like that, right? But I've never done it. I'm like, why? You know, I'm like, why? You know everything. You know everything. You know what I mean? Like, he knows it. And so it's like just the opportunity of being Christ in the workplace in those instances, right? Mm -hmm. um, Dream Big Media, another example of a digital marketing agency, is for the, primarily we work with a lot of Christian business owners. And um, as an agency, we get to spread their message out into the world. And now, um, it could be like um, a, a lawyer, an elder care attorney, okay? And so he just has a good, pure heart, you know what I mean? Like that, yeah, as much as any human might. But, or a lawyer, <laughs> as any Christian. lawyer might have. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so yeah, getting his message out there as well. And then like partnering with Warren Capital and stuff like that, who, who literally identify themselves as a church disguised as a real estate investment firm, right? And so me having the skill set that I have and being able to market for these businesses and get their messages out into the world um, is good. But then I also get to choose who I deny work, right? And so mm -hmm. there was an instance where we needed the money and there was a, um, like, they wanted to offer me $10,000 for me to build out their webinar uh, funnel sales funnel um and um, i declined it because um, she was promoting a course on manifestation right and so the manifestation would be like um you know this is how i i willed my boyfriend into existence or this is how i willed that i got my my dream job or this is how mm -hmm. i you know what i mean yeah and it's it's like a it's like a thought process of like your, your thoughts become things like and thought so, power like, like power thinking yeah, like Yes, exactly. Like thought power, like thought thinking, like manifestation, like the secret, like wow. um, like all of these different things where like you can literally invoke your will onto the universe and instead of God, it's a universe and, you know, all these different things. And the universe wants to help you if you help yourself and all these different things. And so all you have to do is have positive affirmations and think and will your your dream lifestyle into existence. And she teaches this stuff. Right. Um, I don't I don't think image of God benefits extend quite that far. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah exactly you become god right. yeah. yeah for real now here's here's the dilemma is that i needed the money i needed the money right mm -hmm. and not only was it ten thousand dollars up front but it was three thousand dollars every single month right Whoa. and so um i just i needed that money and stuff like that right and it's like one of those things like and the person 
who connected us was himself uh, uh self um yeah, he, he calls himself a Christian, right? And so he says, like, you know, and, and this is, you know, like, it's okay, it's not a big deal. And like, like, that's the influence that's coming in my ears and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Um, but in, in the end, I just said, like, no, you know what I mean? Like, and then that shifted my perspective. It's like, no, I want to make sure that everything I do, and this is my, my, um, I feel like I'm rambling here, guys. No, <laughs> but good. this is my, no, it's good. this is my, uh, my um, safeguard, I think, is that, if I strive to do to honor God in everything I say, do, and think, okay, then mm. I'll be safe. You know what I mean? And so, can I do anything in my business, in my life, in my personal life, or business life, professional life, that, you know, um, am I okay with doing it if I if I fall within that framework, right? Am I honoring God with everything I say, do, and think? Um, I think has has kept me safe so far. Hmm. That's good. So, so, I mean, kind of like what I'm hearing is in, in all of the different avenues of, of business that you're involved with, those avenues in some sense represent um, opportunities to reflect Christ in, into the world, right? And that could be in business, you know, towards business partners. It could be towards uh, your, your customers. It could be towards whomever. Um, where you see this is, you know, business itself is an opportunity to proclaim the gospel. Um, and, and now part of that is, you know, not, it, it's not just, so part of the danger there with something like that is, and I'm not saying like you're saying this, part of the danger is like, you know, uh, you're proclaiming the gospel with, with deeds, right? And it's just like, you know, you're, you're doing good things and there, and that in itself is proclaiming the gospel. And I think, you know, what we know is that, you know, proclaiming the gospel is actually proclamation, right? It's word that we need to repent of our sin and turn to Christ for forgiveness of sins. But what you're saying is you don't shy away from that, right? So what, what, what's great about that is there's this, there's this combination of word and deed that, that make Christ known and they need to be together. Um, And that's one of the things that I'm, that I'm hearing come out, which, which I, I really appreciate. Um, well, I, Eric, you know, I've been talking the mic, man. I want to let Eric ask a couple questions. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, you mentioned uh, uh, the uh, saying no to the the one offer there, and uh, this one question that kind of just went into my mind was that you know how to how to have those relationships with other businesses, whether they're Christian businesses or non-Christian businesses. So, um, so how do you navigate? You know that uh, do 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 your relationships with Christian businesses look different than let's say your interactions or partnerships with non-Christian businesses and and anything like that? any yeah. examples you could give? Yeah, for sure, absolutely. So um, I am actually active. So so one thing that I um, I strive to do is you can place me in a room with everybody in the world, right? And each and every single person or anybody in my world, right? that that knows me and each and every single one of them would be like yeah that's franco you know what i mean where it's like it's not somebody else to somebody else and, you know like no one can ever point to me and say like why is he acting that way you know what i mean <laughs> and so like because it's just me like i'm just who i am right and so um i think um because i want to be surrounded by christians and believers and like all these different things and then i want to actively go out into the world and express who i am and who christ is ultimately to the world and stuff like that um i think um I, i've set something up in in the way of doing this that i'm attracting the type of people that i want to and the people would be repelled that i don't want to work with anyway so for instance would be like my coaching program right um somebody asked me um recently she was thinking of like uh investing into the inner 
Miracle Program, and she asked me what separates you from other mentorship programs. And I say, to be honest with you, um, I don't know what other mentorship programs are out there that I've never, because I've never been involved with them, that actually do what I'm helping you to do. But that being said, if there were, I think the key thing that would separate me is what I just told you guys, um, that in everything, I strive to honor God with everything I do, say, do, and think. Um, and I try, and I bend over backwards for your, for my student success. Um, so that right there is like literally God governs literally every aspect of my life. And that was my response to her because if it could attract her, it could repel her, chances are it's going to repel her and I'm okay with that, mm -hmm. right? Same thing for my clients. Uh, in my contract, it says I'll send a proposal and it'll be like, this is my expertise. This is how I can help you. And they're like, holy crap, this is awesome. And, you know, blown away by it and stuff, right? And then it says, and this is a little bit about me, okay? And then that little bit about me is like, God comes first and everything, you know what I mean? And then my family and then this, and like, this is how I prioritize my life and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then I say, and I'm happy to work with you, <laughs> right? So if somebody receives that proposal and they're an atheist or agnostic or they like hate Christ or whatever the case is, they, maybe it'll repel them and I'm okay with that, right? Hmm. But the people who be like, that's the guy. Yeah. That, and that sets me apart from like anybody else. Now it's just like they're saving up money in order to be able to work with me. Yeah, so that makes sense. So like you're not, you can't divorce the person from the business or from what you do. Hundred percent. Like, like no, 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 being two faced. So what are your thoughts on uh, uh, the commonly used phrase? It's just business. Ah, uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, so I'm not, I'm not sure how that applies for like other people and stuff like that, right? It's just, you know, to be honest with you, like. It does, okay, and this is um, it leads into a partnership that I had with a Christian, you know, entrepreneur as well, um, where they were like squeezing, um, and then we had a different because maybe it's just I'm not good for working for anybody. I just I think I'm a bad employee. <laughs> I, I think I'm a bad employee. <laughs> Common entrepreneurial issue. Yeah. entrepreneurs make terrible employees. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> terrible employees. Yeah, I'm just like a bad, um, you know, because I just think of myself as a, a very different leader. Right. So, for instance, everybody in my like independent contractors or anything like that, right? I pour out praise onto them. I don't negotiate with them. Whatever they think they're worth, I am willing to pay that. And if you, uh, if unfortunately you just don't fit the budget, then I have to go with somebody else. But I'm not going to tell you that I'm going to pay you mm -hmm. X amount less and, you know, just do it and try to haggle with you and stuff mm -hmm. like that because I don't want to devalue what you think you're worth because two things will come out of that. One is that you'll be resentful, you know what I mean, of uh, me and doing work with me in the future. And then two is while you're doing this particular job, um, you're going to give it your bare minimum because I'm paying you my bare minimum, uh, right? Uh, but uh. instead, I want the quality. I want excellence. I want, I want you to, like, look at it, attach your name to it, and say, I'm proud of this. You know what I mean? I would have done this for myself, right? Mm -hmm. But I did it for you, okay? That's what I want to extract out of the people that are working with their excellence, okay? Mm -hmm. um, but the person that I was working with, um, they squeeze and squeeze and squeeze their, their uh, contractors and stuff and extract every single penny from them um, and, and just haggle them down, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they're happy. They're, you know what I mean? Like, if they, their philosophy is, I can squeeze them as much as they're willing to say yes to. And I want to get to right where they say yes to. You know what I mean? Hmm. Where they, right where they would have said no. Like, I want to get just above that. Okay. Um, and I was partnering with somebody that was like, you know, I don't like to do that. I don't do that. I don't think that's right. Um, so, but that's where that phrase came up. Like, you know, well, it's just business. You know what I mean? Like, we just got like, if he's willing to do it, then, you know, it's just, he's willing to do it and stuff. I think it's just different <laughs> leadership styles. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's. 
Yeah. Well, and different philosophies too. I mean, right? Because it sounds like you know what you're saying is, well, if you if you pay the minimum, you're going to get the minimum back out, right? And so if somebody doesn't share that philosophy, I mean, you know, sometimes entrepreneurs will talk about, you know, hey, if you go into partnership with somebody, you want to make sure that you're philosophically on the same page with things. This Mm -hmm. is a, I mean, this is you know, exhibit A. Yeah. uh, Mm -hmm. You know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like a marriage. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I was just trying to think about like that idea of squeezing as much as possible. I mean, it just seems like. You're just treating that person as they're, just, they're purely just a resource to be squeezed. It almost feels like you're dehumanizing the person or or whatnot. Like they're just a tool. They're just an instrument. And until and w- once they end their usefulness, I can discard them. You know, it seems like that might be the the root mentality there. Where you're 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 proposing a a point of view that that shows a genuine love, care, concern for someone else who's made in the image of God. Would, does that make sense? I, I don't want to. I don't want to claim that, but yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's my perspective yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I love that. And I appreciate that. I never thought of it in that way, but I love what you said. <laughs> well, so it, here's here's what strikes me about like these the, the comments you guys both just made is that you know the last two episodes we had before this one, one was on socialism, one was on capitalism, but like so. One of the points that was made in in the episode on capitalism is that you know capitalism is not itself a silver bullet. You know, in any economic system, you know, you 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 run the risk of people feeling like cogs, mm-hmm. right? Feeling like they're replaceable. They have a skill set. You want to negotiate them down to just the littlest bit that they're willing to take. Um, you know, and and that's that's why you know when we say capitalism is not a silver bullet, what we mean is how, this is why it's so crucial that christ be at the center of our thinking on economics and on business and on how we employ people um you know a a proverb says a man skilled in his work will stand before kings one of the points that we we talked about was if you pay this dude like a joker he's gonna straight up leave you to go work for somebody who's gonna pay him like a king right so so i mean this this is why It, it has to do with seeing value both in what the person provides in their service to you and to your business but then you then turning around and valuing them and showing them that you're valuing them in in no small measure by what you're what you're willing to what you're willing to pay them yeah yeah and that ties into so another very related question uh i mean i don't own my own business or anything like that haven't done anything like that before but i guess the question is how do you balance profit making with Mm -hmm with you know uh, uh paying a good wage you know to your employee to your workers um you know does how, how do you i mean how do you handle like getting profit at the expense of others or or you know being able to still pay your bills and pay and feed your family at the end of the day while also trying to uh to love your love your neighbor how, how do you handle that yeah yeah so like um every uh so how 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 do I say this? Um, every profit comes at the expense of others. Okay, so every profit comes at the expense of others. However, um, that's the, like the actual like because literally someone has to pay for it in order for you to turn a profit. But if you mean taking advantage advantage of them, right? If that's what which I think is what you're referring to, us earning profit or business owners earning profit at the expense of others in terms of like taking advantage of them. Um, like I I don't think that that's necessarily like um like we shouldn't have to think that way or or do that as business owners obviously Mm -hmm. right um but one thing to consider is like what you may determine like what you may see or like somebody on the outside might see as an expense or something like that for instance okay um i'll give you a perfect example uh, in my coaching program right 
it's six thousand dollars for the entire year um, to be coached by me on how to start up a digital marketing agency. There's somebody in there that um, when he he literally gave up, like he didn't have money. He didn't have money. We made a payment plan for him, and he doesn't have money, but he like went with faith and went in. Right. And so uh, because of that, okay, like now you, for, for somebody else that on the outside looking in, they might say like, holy crap, like Franco, you took advantage of that guy. The guy doesn't have money and you're like taking money from him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. But the reality is, is that if what I'm giving to him is going to free him from the feeling that like anxiety and the, like the, like back against the wall and all those different things. You know I mean, if what I can teach him is going to get him out of that state forever, right? And we'll he'll never have to worry about money again, okay? Is it worth it? If he doesn't know how to manage money right now, which is no one who is broke, unfortunately. I mean, like there's other circumstances and like I, I'm one to say like God is sovereign and at the same time, take extreme ownership of your current situation mm-hmm. by the decisions that you've made. The decisions you've made in the past determine where you are today. The decisions you make right now will determine your future. Okay. Um, again, God is sovereign. And I always have my Jesus disclaimer and like all those different things. <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that, but I always, I also um, think that, and I, and, I, and I share that. Well, he works through the agency of our actions, right? Amen, bro. Thank yeah. you. That's what I'm trying to do, that's, man. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say for the longest yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, no, no. That's, that's <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. So Rodrigo, for instance, right? Being 40 years old or 40-something years old and stuff like that, right? And not having any money, really, right? Um, unfortunately, like, he just wasn't able to, to manage money well, right? And so now he paid me, and the first upfront payment was $1,500. He paid me $1,500 and then was on a payment plan, right? And in doing that, okay, I taught him and I showed him everything, all the knowledge and stuff like that, right? Where now he just like last week landed three clients that are paying him $1,500 a month, okay? And so he went from not having anything to now having not only clients that are paying him on a monthly recurring revenue, but a coach that is behind him 100% to make sure that if he ever screws up, I'm going to get him out of there, right? Like I can help him, you know what I mean? Like do that, right? So one might think immediately at that snapshot, because it's a video, one might look at the photo and say, wow, that's kind of messed up, Franco. Like the guy doesn't have money and you took money from him, right? But the reality when you see what might happen is like, yeah, but look what ended up happening as a result, okay? Hmm. And and then one might logically come to the conclusion, well, Franco, like if you're going to honor Christ, why not just give it to him for free, right? Why not just, why not just do that, you yeah. know what I mean? Um, and then I would say, Yes, because if I say I would not do that, why would I not do that? Because if I gave it to him for free, he would do nothing with it. Okay, someone who pays pays attention. There's mm. 26 people right now in the Inner Circle program that have paid five thousand or six thousand dollars to be a part of it, and I let my brother in for free. My brother, who has three children, and he has um, like he's in the military, he has no money, and all those different things, and I let him in for free, and I said, look, and not only that, I let him in for free. But I also said, every Sunday, you come to church with me, and every Sunday, I will, after church, I will for one hour or two hours, sit down at a table with you and make sure that you have success, okay? And you never have to worry about money again, okay? And I said that, and he said yes, and all these different things. He's the only person in the Inner Circle program to have not taken a single action, right? And it's because of that concept, because it being free completely devalues it, and you don't give the attention that it deserves, Hmm. Whereas if you take money out of your pocket and you sacrifice for something, 
that right that right then and there is where Jesus says, you know, where your where your money is, there your heart will be also, right? And so like if you don't if you don't make any investment in your own personal growth or development or success or business or what have you, you know what I mean? Then it then it you know, it's not as it's not as worth it to pursue. There's so many different options out there for you because it's just something else. You know what I mean? So hmm. um, I think a key component of having a mindset shift of, of getting out of poverty and getting out of like uh, uncertain, you know, financial circumstances and all those different things is having that mindset shift of um, being willing to invest in oneself first. And unfortunately, that's the reality that must happen before you can ever get to the point of mm-hmm. having that's in business. It's interesting how, yeah, you could say, and then you mentioned the the video, not a not a snapshot. I, I like that analogy. I think that's one way to consider, very helpful way to consider things like this. Because, uh, yeah, from one person person's perspective, I was like, yeah, Franco, you're just taking advantage of that guy. But the difference is, um, is the intent, right? Because the intent is, you're doing this not to see him destroyed, but you're doing this to see him flourish, and to and to thrive. I mean. If you, I mean, and it makes, and if you think about it, like it kind of makes logical sense. Like if you were just going to do that to see him get destroyed, you just lost any potential customer, future customer, that relationship exactly. is ruined. But if you are, you're doing that to see him thrive, then if he's, if he thrives, then you will, will reap some blessing in that. The relationship is stronger and he, you know, will, will praise you and he'll be happy to work with you again. Yeah, I mean, it's not only that, it's the reputation as well. I would not be in business if I did that with Mountain 10, yeah. right? Because every single person in your circle, like, like there's three types of currency, right? Like there's money, time, or video testimonials, I always say, right? <laughs> so like, if people like people can pay you in that, I'm serious. And every single person in your circle program rave about it. Even if they don't have success, they rave about it. It was the, one of the best things in my life. The reason I have not had success, let's say, no one's ever said that, but I'm just saying, like, I'm speaking for them. But they would say, like, the reason is not because of Franco, it's because of I had life situations, I had circumstances, I had other things on my plate, I, I didn't put in the time, or the effort, and energy. I literally give them the knowledge and network, the resources, the tools, the accountability, the support, literally everything that they need. Mm-hmm. The only thing they need to bring to the table is the execution, you know, yeah. is being able to execute. So, so as, as you think about like running, running your business and, and, you know, everything from the coaching program to Abundant Life Ventures and a number of these other uh, ventures, uh, as you think about these from a Christian perspective, like what are some, are there any biblical uh, passages that kind of come to bear or kind of, you know, way heavy on uh, or have been influential perhaps for you and for some of the businesses that, that you've uh, cultivated over the years that come to bear maybe on key business decisions or or you know some of the examples that you've given. Uh, I don't know any any biblical passages that, that <clears throat> come to mind for you there. Yeah. Um, so uh, I guess my first one that I would say is just like you know uh, abide in the vine, like abide in Christ and stuff. And so like when Jesus talks about like I am the vine, you are the branches, right? Abide in me, and you will bear much fruit. Apart from mm. me, nothing. Okay. Mm-hmm. That right there is I think crucial and critical to my success mm. in business because. My success in business, when I say success in business, 
I don't mean worldly. I mean like getting through this life, being a successful business person and not giving up my soul, not giving mm. up, like not forfeiting my soul and actually making it to heaven and actually having Christ be my Lord and Savior, like literally throughout my life, even as I can continue to, to grow to different levels and tiers of success. Okay. Mm. Um, so, so that's what I mean when I say success in business, um, because um, that governs the way that I do things. Okay. We have this thing. Uh, it's it's interesting. I actually have it right here and stuff like that. And for those of us like not um, like on on um, just listening on audio and stuff like that, I can literally screenshot. I'm going to screenshot for just one second real quick to show you. This is what I call a guaranteed success calendar. Okay. And this is literally how my day is played out. Right. And so here, first thing, wake up at seven in the morning and Jesus, we do uh, family time. So I put Jesus and family first, right? Every single day. And so we do Bible study with our family and I play and run around the house with my family. I don't get into work. It's a gym, shower, reading courses. I don't get into work until 11 o'clock. And then when I'm here, then I do Bible study and prayer. So as soon as I step into the office, the very first thing is that I will literally go um, to like my little mantle over there, which is like my Bible and stuff like that. And we're literally just reading and just staying in the word and stuff like that, because I know that if I don't do that, if I allow the world or if I allow my other businesses or, or time, right. Say like, okay, frankly, you got deadlines to hit. You got things to do. You got right. And I allow that to take priority over in precedence over me spending time with Jesus. Then I know that I might cure short term, you know, different things at the sacrifice of my, my relationship with Christ. And that would get me to the Solomon end result versus the David end result, right? Hmm. Both were extremely wealthy. Both were, you know, both honored God at the very beginning of their lives and stuff like that. Both used their wealth and power and influence to sin, yet one turned back to God and the other didn't, right? And Solomon went to his demise and, and King David, you know, was like a man after God's own heart. Um, so, so I know that abiding in Christ is going to yield that type of end result. And I know that if scripture is my anchor and I have it every single day and I'm like, you know, constantly, and I set it up in my calendar where like, that's a meeting with God. It's the most important meeting of my days and any day and all that stuff. Right. Then I will be able to be safe and, and keep, you know, going having success but staying humble which is now i <laughs> i actually have that as my my tagline right it's like anytime mm -hmm. I, I do I facebook live videos all the time and, and different things like that and i'm developing a little bit of a following um but what i say after every video i say keep it real stay humble and dream big so i think also the fact that god allowed me to have experienced the very very like rock bottom lows of entrepreneurship allows me to stay humble whenever because i know what that's like and i know how easy because we were we were making a whole lot of money before mm -hmm. and then just like that something changes and then everything falls out from underneath it's you. like a job experience yeah yeah and then it, oh it is and it completely hit the rock, rock bottom and i know what that's like and so now having cycled like through business like success and then failure and then like success again I know how easy it can all be stripped from me if I allow it to. Mm -hmm. And the only way that, I, that that it can be stripped from me is when God sees that I will learn more by taking away an idol than by continuing to honor him, you know, like through a, a venture or business or whatever the case is. But if I keep him first, it doesn't become an idol. And, you know, I, I think I'm I think I'm good. You guys, <laughs> <give me> some, <laughs> you guys can give me some guidance on that too. Yeah. 
Well, and, and so here's like what I what I don't hear you to be saying is that, you know, there's kind of this Christian formula for success that you're kind of, we're kind of guaranteed anything. We're owed something by God. When we, when you just we go think it and speak of, it, Dylan. You just think it, it and speak it and you get it, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's <laughs> name it, and, claim it. And, Name it, claim it. And that's not, but that's not what I hear Franco to be saying. What no, I hear him no. to be saying is that, you know, but, but I think it could be misheard. What I hear him to be saying is, look, when, when you, uh, it, it is, you know, honoring the Lord in our lives can have very tangible, very concrete uh, effects on, on how our lives turn out. I mean, there's countless proverbs that, that testify to the same. Um, and it's none of these are guarantees, right? When we talk about proverbs, or you know, the kind of the patterns that we talk about here, it, they they're describing how things normally go. It doesn't mean that there aren't exceptions. It doesn't yep. mean that you know the anything in here you know guarantees any kind of worldly success. It doesn't even mean that worldly success is the be all end all. I mean, Franco mm -hmm. is a successful dude; he'd be the first to tell you that it's not. But it is to say that there are certain that that God has ordered creation. He's ordered His world in certain ways that if we tend to uh, exercise, then we tend to get healthier. If we tend to eat better, we tend to get healthier. Human if we have flourishing, our, yeah. It, human flourishing, well, exactly. Let me let me add something to that too, because because what I what I'm attempting to say is like, if like this is the way I think about it, and maybe, but I mean, I don't know. But if God loves me, He will strip idols from me. Okay, mm -hmm. and so because He wants me to, if He loves me, because I and I want Him to, you know what I mean? Like I want Him to, right? And so my thing is like, I don't want anything to become an idol. So I set up my life so that, you know, it never does. So I try to allow it. I set up my, my life and stuff like that, my calendar and like everything that I do and like all the principles and rules that I've set for myself, mm -hmm. I allow it to, or, you know, I try as best as I might to hinder anything from ever becoming an idol mm -hmm. for me. Right. So it's just that logical thinking of two plus two equals four, then, you know, four plus three equals six. Right. So like, if I know that God, like, just like if I knew that Grayson, my own son, right, like started to, you know, watch pornography or something like that, or started to like come across like something like that or something borderline or whatever like that, I would strip it from him because I would want to save him from like that road of destruction, mm -hmm. right? And so if he knows, well, I mean, that's just a bad example because he, that's not something that you would want uh, him to ever pursue and stuff like that. But the point is this, is that I know that I would, as a good father, strip him from anything that is dangerous okay mm -hmm. and so um i thinking that god would do the same for me um i want to set up my life that i continue to honor him in everything and i never go down that road of destruction so um mm -hmm. that's sort of what i'm looking to to say is that um i set up my life in business because i know that could very well be a dangerous path to go on um because because you know like the what what um jesus said right to the rich and ruler right it is easier for a man for a rich man uh, i'm sorry is is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to get into heaven right hmm. and you know like that's a scary thought you know what i mean that's yeah. a really, really scary thought right and yeah. um and then he says you know like no one can serve uh two masters you know you're gonna either love one and hate the other right you can't serve both god and money those are scary like you know what i mean so like what what does that make you want to do it kind of makes you not ever want to have money <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. And so, like, that's one aspect of it, right? So it could be a very, very dangerous path to go on, and I understand that. So, um, but he also continues, and he says, you know, um, when the disciples ask him, like, well, who then can be saved, right? And he says, well, with God, uh, with man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. And the very next passage, he talks about Zacchaeus, 
who was a chief tax collector and he was rich right and then the very same thing like uh, Zacchaeus you know saw Jesus and he gave half of his goods to the poor and then uh, he said if I've defrauded anybody I'm gonna pay them back fourfold right and then Jesus says after he said literally the previous night he said it was harder for a camel to go through the eye, or I'm sorry, it's harder for a rich man to get into heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. He literally said that. And then he says, today, to Zacchaeus, he says, today salvation come to your home, right? And so, like, it's definitely hard, but mm. in the same, like, those instances is, like, if you put God first, you know what I mean? Like, if you honor God, because if you, if you have wealth, if you have power, if you have influence, you can make, you know, I don't know, like, I'm, I guess people disagree on this or whatever, but um, I know in my case, I, I'll speak for myself. I have made more of an impact, I would say, when as I have this influence, as I have the success, I've been able to support more missionaries. We've been able to to like mm. take care of like, you know, um, villages in Africa and like, you know, so, like give money and, and and also I have more of a of a platform to share the gospel with than I did, you know, before. Even when I went across the across the earth to um to to be a missionary in Bahrain. You know what I mean? Like I've share the gospel with more people you know what i mean like through facebook lives than i have you know ever doing it in in person or something like that so mm -hmm. i don't know the reason i say that is because um is because god is awesome because you know god I mean? is awesome amen it's because god is awesome and, and I, so awesome. so you, something something comes to mind as I'm, as I'm hearing you share some of this and and some of the practices that you build in as kind of safeguards in in your personal life and in your business practices there's a book um, I'm going to butcher the, the dude's name, William Gouge, I think. Uh, he wrote a book called Of Domestical Duties. And basically what the book is, it, you know, I, I think Gouge was a Puritan kind of writing around the, um, the, the late 16th century. And, and the, the whole book is talking about um, different practices that are beneficial to a Christian home, that kind of lay the groundwork for flourishing in a Christian home. Um, so what you're kind of talking about, I mean, you, you showed just kind of the calendar and how your day is structured and how, you know, devotional, you know, how God's word is, is built into, is built into that, uh, not only in time that's, you know, devotional time, but also, you know, in the business itself, you're kind of giving us an economic version of that, like of domestic duties, right? The, the economic version, the business version, where it's like, <laughs> here's some, here's some practices that, that are concrete that can be built into your day, your week. Um, and, and what they do is they help you to honor the Lord in priorities, in time spent yeah. and in how you weigh value both in your employees and in the products and services that you provide to customers. And if you, and, and with those things, all the glory goes to the Lord, all the glory to God, right? Because he is good and he is worthy of that praise and of being the center of how you structure your business and how you interact with, with others. Um, so I don't know if that, if that, yeah, kind of that, yeah, I think that was very eloquently said. And I wish ha, I said it. He is pretty eloquent. <laughs> not, yeah. not to give you too big a head there, Dylan. No, um, no. Well, well, so, but I mean, this, this helps to kind of, I know, I know we might be coming low on, on time pretty we're soon. Fine. Um, Oh, are, are we good? Okay, good. So, I got a couple of questions, but like, I have Franco, one too. All right, you you go first. I, I, I feel That's bad. Right. I'm taking all these questions. Eric, go. You go. Okay. Well, I was just. This is so good. This is no, so but you had mentioned you had mentioned uh, uh, cannot serve two masters, uh, uh, money or mammon, and uh, and God, um, and of course the rich man and and, uh, and uh, going into heaven and things like that. So it seems like, from a from a kind of a a non 
business person's perspective, so like my perspective, it would seem like, you know, when you dive into the realm of entrepreneurship and, and starting a business, I mean, you're diving right into the realm of possibly making lots of money. So what are some of the common struggles or pitfalls that uh, you think Christians, specifically Christians, uh, uh, might face or do face when they enter the realm of, of starting a business, thriving and, and growing a business? Like, what are some of the pitfalls that you see and how to avoid those pitfalls? Uh, that's a great question. That's a great question. Um, I think, uh, I think people struggle on both ends of the spectrum of when they don't have money and when they do. Hmm. Okay. And so when they, um, let's start with like when they do for right now, but like when you start to have some success, I think one of the, the common uh, pitfalls that people struggle is it's so much easier to depend on God when you have nothing than it is to depend on God when you have, you know, tens and thousands and dollars in your bank account and you have like phone, and you have a powerful network and you have like all these different things that will, you know, are like the safety net even before you get to God. You know what I mean? To depending on him, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that if you allow yourself ever to get to that point, right, where you don't really need to pray about something, right, where you don't really need to um, to wait on God for something, where you don't really need to like um, like seek God out in this decision, because if you make a bad decision, if you make a good decision, regardless, you have the money to be able to fix your problem or whatever the case is, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think that could be the most crucial um, component of um, like an error, like a pitfall that somebody might fall into if they weren't aware of it, right? Mm -hmm. Me, I feel like God is like, because he's taken me through that struggle that I shared with you guys already. Like, um, because of that, I, I'm very well aware that regardless of how much success I have, it can be taken from me like that. Right. It's just be mm -hmm. stripped out from me and stuff like that. So it allows me, I think it gives me like a, a unfair advantage almost that, that it allows me to always just be t dependent on God. Right. But then also he's given me this wonderful, amazing woman of, of a just human being and stuff like that. She's just, who makes sure <laughs> like, <laughs> that I am dependent on God and stuff like that. Right? So um, praise the Lord for a good wife, brother. Praise the Lord for a good wife, man. Right. Yeah. It's amazing. So, um, so yeah, so there's one common pitfall on like whenever you, you make success, I think it's probably one of the scariest ones too. Right. Yeah. Because, because um, that's where you could get to the point where it's like, you depend on everything else. You depend on yourself and you become your own God, right. For your own life and stuff like that. Right. Instead of, yielding to to hit and submitting to him as uh, as lord um the the other on the other side of the spectrum is when you don't have money as you jump into this wall and stuff like that right is it becomes i actually call it like um the entrepreneur's dilemma right and there's like a whole like i mean this is our training on its own and stuff like oh, that sure, but sure. um yeah but the, but the whole point is this is that um as you as you get into entrepreneurship it's a roller coaster ride. There are extreme highs and extreme lows. Okay. And so those highs and those, those lows, those influence your emotions and those emotions influence your actions. Okay. So emotions always turn into actions. And so the one like crushing emotion that you, sh that you will have as an entrepreneur is anxiety. And the anxiety that gets produced from not having, not being able to provide for your family financially is unlike anything that I've ever experience myself okay is 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 feeling like you are like you know emasculated like you literally do not have like you just are not able to provide and all these different things and then you feel as though it's your job to provide when in fact 
God is sovereign over your situation and not relying on God and you working like a horse to try and do everything, everything in your, everything in your power to provide for your family and stuff like that, except for trusting God that he will. Right. Um, so it was one instance where, um, you know, like I experienced this sort of to, to an extent, but, and everybody goes through this, right. And this is why in the entrepreneur's dilemma training is like, I literally say, okay, you will get blindsided by your emotions so that you have to experience you know, like you have to really, you have to take the enemy, you have to put them in front of you. That way you don't get blindsided by you. You can see exactly what's going on, right? Because mm-hmm. one negative thought will turn into thinking and that, and the entertainment of that negative thought, right? The thinking turns into um, emotions and it's those emotions that turn into your actions and your, the, the actions turns into habit, turns into your character, turns into your future, right? And so being able to cut the cord at the negative state where a negative thought comes in and you don't ever allow it to produce anxiety is like key there but that doesn't happen unfortunately for most people unless they are proactively programmed to understand a negative thought coming in and making sure that it never produces the anxiety because it's it's a command from god to not be anxious about anything mm-hmm. right um and uh so i was i was gonna make another point I forgot where i forgot my train of thought well, like with the entrepreneurs like the the the, the challenge for them when they have no money and they yeah. get that anxiety. Yeah. So, I mean, what is the spit pitfall that they could fall into there? Yeah. So the story that I was going after, you just reminded me, the story I was going after was like whenever um, I was struggling, where I was told you when like Golden Eagle was like going under and we owed like the loan sharks and all these different things. And I was just working, 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 trying to, and then finally got to a point where um, we found out, like, just imagine, you know what I mean? Like you're going through all of that stuff, right? And then we come and find out Haley's pregnant right and it's like oh man right like now i just took it to another level and i think what most people would have happened would just be like or like you know i I just say most people i just say like maybe the world might think like wow that just made things worse right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but the reality was it gave me so much peace in that moment right because i thought to myself i'm like if god what he says in his word is true that he is literally creating you know um my baby boy for nine months inside of his mother's womb, you know what I mean? Like God is literally fashioning my child inside of my wife's womb. Um, he can't be blind. He, like he's not dumb. He knows our situation. You know what I mean? And it gave me so much peace. I'm like, you can't spend like nine months, you know, with my Praise wife Lord. inside of her womb That's and good. not understand our situation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so, so I was like at peace at that point. It was just like, you know, Praise the Lord, God's got it. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to take care of this boy. I'm not going to take care of this boy. He's just going to provide for him. And it's on God now. And this is his child. And I'm just like the weight of the world was off of my shoulders. And like now I, I can I can walk in peace and stuff like that. And it, it removed the anxiety from me, which I think to a point was like very, very sinful um, in my heart because I felt like I had to do everything. You know what I mean? And I wasn't relying on God to provide in those situations. Mm-hmm. So I think um, to answer the question is like, um, for that that side of the spectrum when you're starting out in business, okay, is to realize and to trust that God is completely sovereign over your situation. He mm-hmm. knows exactly what's going on and everything that's going on right now is for your benefit, okay, mm-hmm. that you that's grow good. in the future. So just like it was when I was hitting rock bottom, it growed my intimacy and my trust in the Lord that he would provide for me. It allowed me to showcase Christ a whole lot more to my dad and stuff like that and it allowed me, and it also, it, it set up I don't know, my, my framework, my philosophy of like setting the guardrails in place in my own life that I never allow my success, never allow myself to get carried away with my success and always make it 
a proactive decision to trust and rely on God every single day, even when the times are good. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's yeah. good stuff. No, I appreciate you sharing that. That's very helpful. Of course. Of course. That's, a, that's a really powerful example of like how God's sovereignty should be functioning in, in our lives, just in terms of how we think about it, right? A lot of people will be like, oh, God is sovereign. I don't have to do anything. It's like, no, like God's sovereignty is a tremendous comfort because, because he knows exactly what situation you're in and he still loves you. He still sent his son to die for you. Mm-hmm. He still is there for you to, to, to go back to him, run back to him again and again and again. You know, it, you know, when you were talking earlier about having, um, you know, some kind of uh, uh, safeguards in place to, to be aware that the, that the, the things that can arise in entrepreneurial's experience to induce anxiety, put them up front and, and have them visible up front so that you know how to deal with them. It's kind of analogous to, um, you know, this is about a year ago, um, my wife and I were, were sitting down together and we worked through an investment policy statement for our family. And, and basically with that, I mean, the purpose of an investment policy statement is essentially to say, look, when the market, the market goes up, the market goes down. And that's when we are most uh, susceptible to emotional responses in the market. So when the market is up, the investment policy says, here's what you do. When the market's down, here's what you do. And you do that at a time when it's, when it's fairly steady. So that, you know, when something happens, you go back to that, it's kind of like a guide, like a map says, okay, this is how I'm going to handle it. Um, and that's, that's just not, I mean, like, you know, emotions are great servants. They're terrible masters. And, yeah. and that's just one example of keeping the emotions subservient to, to um, honestly, to, to, to Christ, to, to, the will of, to the will of the Lord. Um, and trying to build some kind of framework around that. Yeah, like in the military we say, don't be all thrust and no vector. Emotions are your thrust. Yeah, explain that. That's good. You, yeah, Emotions yeah. are your thrust. They're your driving force. But uh, you need to have a will and an intellect that guides it. You know, you don't want an unguided missile, unguided rocket. It's just yeah. destructive and accomplishes nothing. So there are some guys I work with that are all thrust, no vector. So they just do everything <laughs> in their path. So, yeah, emotion can be very bad if left uh, uncontrolled. And we can all be tempted to that. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. And some people are more tempted to that than others. I mean, different people have different <clears throat> strengths in, in, in God's in God's wisdom. He, he gives people so like I, I know some people who are just very, very highly emotional and some people who are just not as much so uh, and, and vice versa. But that's all in the wisdom of the Lord. And it's just something to be mindful of as, as we're working with different people in the workplace or a church or, or just in life generally. Um, yeah. God has given different uh, different allocations of of. Uh, emotional propensity to, to different people. Um, and that's just something to be to be mindful of. Yeah. Do you have any final questions, Dylan, for uh, Franco? I would just say, I mean, not necessarily a final question, but maybe a, maybe a parting thought. You know, I, I love that you were talking earlier about the, the branch and the vine. And John, it comes from John 15, 5. You know, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So mm-hmm. what's neat about that citation is I was um, – I heard a, there was a pastor who was uh, preaching, just happened to be preaching on that text uh, pretty recently, not at, not at Hilltown, but um, I was hearing this message. And one of the things that came out that this guy said, I was just like, Pfft. so he, he, he says, he says, um, up, he says, apart, Christ says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay. So whatever you're doing in your life, if whether it's in business or at home or, or, or whatever sphere of life, if you're doing it and you don't have Christ, what are you really doing? Amen. Nothing nothing you're doing that's exactly what you're doing is nothing 
right? So, <laughs> like, and, and it, he was, it was, it's hyperbolic, right? But in, in a sense, like, of course, like, actually, you build something, it doesn't take, the, you know, when he, when Elon Musk is building a spaceship, is he wondering whether or not crisis, that it's, it's hyperbolic, but it's making the point, it's making the point that what we build, what we do in this life, it, it, it echoes into eternity. And what lasts, what survives the, the, the fire burning up is, is, ultimately that which is given over to Christ, that which is built for Christ's glory, that which puts him first. And, and, and that is what lasts. That is what actually serves people, not just for the moment, but, but for eternity. Um, so when you were, when you raised that verse, that's what I was thinking of. I was like, man, if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're a Christian and you are running a business or you have some kind of entrepreneurial itch, praise the Lord for that. That, that could be a very, very good thing. Uh, but just remember, without Christ, you do nothing. Right. That's really what you're doing is nothing. So take care, <laughs> take care to build and to think and to plan and even to, in some measure, to take risk. We've talked about, you know, a lot of this is that nobody likes to get out of a warm bed. And that's kind of if you end up if you have, uh, you know, a, a steady job, you know, search carefully what the Lord's will is for you. I mean, the Lord's will is not necessarily for every single person to be an entrepreneur. So you think, search that out carefully with brothers and sisters who, who know you well and who know your gift in this well, your shortcomings well. Uh, so, so search that out. But then if it comes that you say, okay, this is a risk I'm going to take, always, just like everything else, do it for God's glory. Because otherwise, what does it add up to in the, at the end of the day? You know, so tremendous businesses that have been built up in, in the history of humanity and just fall flat. I mean, it, it, people, you, you can't build those empires. You just can't. It's just castles well, in the sky. I know. I, crumbling yeah. And it always reminds me of the, of the story, the parable that, that Jesus gave about the guy who keeps building up more barns, big, you know, larger, larger <laughs> barns. He's like, <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. look at all this stuff I have. And then Jesus is like, you fool this night, your life will be asked yes. of you. Like, yes. like, I mean, or like the, um, you know the the uh, the vanity that that uh, King you know King Solomon saw in Ecclesiastes like this person labors for decades and they oh, name, there's no end to their work but they can't ever enjoy it. Chasing you know, after can't... the wind, yeah, yeah. <laughs> chasing after the wind, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so that's good that's stuff. That's so good. Uh, so I don't know, Franco. Any any parting thoughts before we before we bring today to a close? Yeah, no. Um, I would. Uh, I would literally just echo what you just said and what Eric just said because it's what I um, I would say for any Christian entrepreneur is to stay connected to the Lord and to trust Him and trust in His sovereignty and trust in uh, and just keep being faithful. I mean, He is faithful even when you're not and stuff like that. But as far as you might, just keep struggling and striving towards you know getting closer to Christ, no matter where life takes you, no matter, no matter what roads. Um, you know, uh, God takes you and stuff like that. Just make sure that everything that you do and strive to do is aligned with the word of God. And the only way that you'll know that is by sticking to scripture and making sure that you make it like of paramount importance every single day for yourself, uh, because it is, it could very well be a dangerous path if you don't. So um, mm -hmm. that's exactly what I would say. Um, and like, yeah, uh, work for Christ, right? And everything echoes into eternity, right? But if you don't, then everything is a chasing after the wind that mm -hmm. is just fall flat on the face. So nice. Here's a little bro. That's good. Well, thank you again so much, Franco, for joining us on yeah. today's episode on Christian entrepreneurship and for letting us pepper you with 
uh, with questions. Um, <laughs> I try I try to give the hard questions to Eric, but Eric needed a he was like, nah, man, you got to give them to Frank. You got to give them to Frank. So, <laughs> so, so I'll just play it. But thank you for your graciousness, brother, coming on and sharing yeah. some of your story and some of your experience. Uh, this has been Two Guys in a Bible. If you have follow-up questions about today's episode, or if you just want to reach out and, and connect or, or share an experience that, that you've had uh, that's similar, feel free to reach out. You can reach us at twoguysinabible.podcast at gmail.com. That's the number two. All these are the number two. Twoguysinabible.podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us at Twitter at two guys in the Bible, Facebook.com forward slash two guys in the Bible and two guys in the Bible.org. So thank you again, Franco, for coming on. This has been uh, two guys in the Bible. Haven't said enough times. I'm going to say it one more time. Uh, Franco, thank you for coming on. And Eric, thank you, thank you for, for, uh, for the questions and for, for all the thoughtful uh, time and preparation that's gone into making today happen. Well, thank you for inviting Franco, Dylan. It was a very awesome experience, awesome conversation. Thank you guys. I'm humbled and privileged to be here. So thank you. Absolutely. All right, y'all. Have a great one. God bless you. God bless.